This week on Kettle of Fish, comedian Ray Goot stops by to talk about hilarious headlocks and comedy smackdowns. Welcome to our after show. We call Kettle of Fish the No Politics Laughter Show. It's time for Kettle of Fish. No debates, hate, or arguments allowed on Kettle of Fish. It's like a Willy Wonka psychedelic acid trip. So hooray for Kettle of Fish. Alrighty, welcome to Kettle of Fish. The show, the talk, the money <laughs> shot, I guess. No more political foreplay. Um, D Fern, no more political foreplay. Yeah. Totally messed my intro up. I'm going to have to do a whole new intro for this show. It'll be worth it. It really, really will. It'll be worth it. Definitely. It's all good. I- I don't know. After that musical interlude, is there more intro needed? I still have to get that recorded so that I can use it as a ringtone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll totally send it to you. Not a problem. Send me a sound bite. I'd yep. love to have that. Yeah, it's cool. just one of those things. Um, I, yeah, yeah, it always cheers me up, too. And We don't have a whole lot coming up because the holidays are coming up, and I've been a yep. little bit lax on booking. But who do we have coming up today, Dee? Well, um, I'll get to today in two seconds. I want to do uh, Wednesday. We have our super-duper tin can media horror extravaganza uh, Halloween special. Yeah, uh, both of those things. Uh, we're actually going to have a longer episode because normally we have musical osmosis that's about an hour. Um, but I'm sure this will go well over two hours because we have got uh, horror makeup slash special effects artist Joe Castro, who you've probably seen his work in something and it's really, 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 really good. Like, I've seen some of the photos and I'm just like, oh my god! It looks so real! But I know it's not, but... Yeah, he's a madman with the special effects. awesome. And then uh, horror actor Sherry Davis is going to be on as well. Um, So I'm sure she is no stranger to being covered in blood, guts, and gore, and that's going to be really cool. And then uh, we are going to talk music a little bit. Um, We are going to have our buddy Matt Geiler, a.k.a. the Dancing Pumpkin Guy. And it's so funny because... um, now he's not just the dancing pumpkin guy. He's also a musician and he's an artist and an author and just super talented. Oh, well, it has been guys. 10 years. It since has that been. But every Did year. Did you guys see, though? Did you see his live video feed on Facebook the other day? No. He was breaking it down. Like he was taking people, I kind of hooked onto his live feed. And he was just making up songs on the spot. And I shared it on Facebook. But, you know, he'd see someone's name pop up, my name, whoever, and take, we'd give him subjects. And he was rapping about a whole bunch of stuff. I gave him flossing. So he did a whole, oh he broke it down and rhymed about flossing. I don't think it was there's so enough funny. Floss, raps about flossing. That's, you know, that seems to me. Um, societal problem I think we all need to tackle. And he might be able to get a gig with Vermin Supreme. Yes, that was my thought. That was my thought, but it was pretty cool. Anyway. Right on. All right, Dee, who do we have on today? Today, we have um, probably one of the more unusual comedians. Well, maybe not. We we, we have a, a comedian after our own heart. Uh, we have comedian Ray Goots on today. Super duper funny and uh, a nerd just like us. So what could be better? Well, let's get Mr. Ray in. Ray, how you doing? Good, man. How, how's it going? Good, man. I always enjoy reading your Facebook, and I noticed today your Facebook is blowing up with Walking Dead pseudo-spoilers. What's going on in Ray World out there? 
Oh, well, uh, I just, uh, you know, all these years, I, I, I did stand-up on Sundays, and I would come home, and literally when Walking Dead ends, people post about it like it's the friggin' election or, or Game 7 of the World Series. Like, they act like it's a real... And they spoil it for me every week. You know, I'll go on Facebook to do something, or Twitter, and they'll spoil it for me every week. So I got a hold of the footage of who Negon kills. So last night I put it up as an act of revenge. I said, this is revenge for everybody who ruined Walking Dead for me. And uh, here's the footage that every because you know everyone's waiting for tonight to see who he kills. But really, what choice did you have? You know, back when yeah. um, Glenn supposedly died, it popped mm-hmm. up on my feed like five minutes after it happened, and I was yeah. like, if my own mother had died, I wouldn't have fucking found <laughs> out that fast. But I'm finding yeah, out people... this fictional character dying five minutes after the fact. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, people post about this, and Game of Thrones too. Now they do it for that show too. They post about these shows like they're real life events. Like you need, we need to report on this right away. Where is you know, we need coverage. You know, it's like shut up. It's a TV show. People watch it on their own times. You know, I'm surprised they don't have a news network that just has breaking stories about things that happen on TV shows. Oh my god, I know new show. There you go. We have to do that. We yeah, I think that, that would be huge. All right, let's dig in here. I'm kind of get off script here. I want to jump into something because we have something in common. Actually, two things. One, our intense love of comic books. And two, I didn't know this because you weren't on my radar back then. But last year, I went on the Nerdist Comic Book Club. I was doing some Googling of all things Ray Goots. And you were on there two years ago. And I was um, listening to the program and you were on a quest at that time, to read every mm-hmm. single issue of Action Comics, and we're 265 issues in. Did you complete your mission? Yeah, I did. Uh, I, I completed up to, until June. Uh, I mean, up up until September of last year. I read every issue up until September of last year, and I'm going to read the other ones. I have them. I'll read the other ones as soon as I finish reading every issue of Detective Comics, which I'm which I'm on right now. Wow. So, so what's yeah. your comic book collection look like? Because I've got about eight thousand. Well, I have a ton of comic books. I have like 20,000 comics, but Jeez. now I'm into Yours more bigger digital. Yours is than mine. Yeah, I, I, I have no more room in the house. You know, uh, I, I look I feel like a comic book hoarder. Like I had to move stuff out of my room, and I had to move like all of my comics out of my room, and then I put them in another room. Like I'm like a comic book hoarder. So I'm selling my comic books on eBay, and now I just do digital. I just uh, download them, and I put them on my tablet, and it's, it's a lot better for me. I save a really? ton of room, and uh, yeah. I, I feel like something's lost on digital. I tried to get into digital comics. I just couldn't do it. Yeah, but... Uh, see, I can, I can do it just because it's, it frees up room in my house, so... Well, and to be fair... Can I just tell you guys one thing? Like, I am so glad to hear a measuring contest between two dudes about comic books <laughs> than anything else. Like, that is so much more pleasant to listen to. Thank you both for that. that I is submit awesome. that Ray's is bigger than mine. Well, I and <laughs> to be fair, though, we really like paper in this house. Like we have tons of books. We very free. We're very frequent customers at a used bookstore that's uh, like up the road. And it literally looks like somebody took a warehouse, took everybody's books they could find and just piled them all in. Like yeah, that's where old we go. School analog yeah. and brick and we mortar. love, love, love books. We are constantly mm-hmm. on the lookout for a new book that we have to have. And 99.9% of the time we'll get the, the hardback or paperback version of it. it's just there's just something about holding paper i just i love the smell of it i'm weird i don't know no, no I, I, I agree with you book smell love that smell yeah i agree with you but then like when you have every issue of justice league and you have to like lug it from room to room yeah. you're like you know it's be much easier 
if I had it on an uh, on a external hard drive. <laughs> so, yeah, know. I feel you because we've got um. Yeah. Literally, he has the big closet, and mm-hmm. from one side to the other, like stra- stacked what like three or four high is just comic book boxes, and we've moved probably three times in the last seven years and I'm just like, oh god, I don't Yeah, how crafty am I that I talked the woman out of the walk in closet to put my fucking comic books in. Yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> and I'm just like, I, I really don't want to move these again. I don't want to do classy, it. I am classy, Ray. Thank you. And you know, my <laughs> dad came down here a few years ago and he walked downstairs and saw my comic book posters and he looked at me. He's old school Greek guy. And he's like, let me ask you a question. How much longer do I have to look forward to my son collecting these funny books? And I was like, what do you care if I fucking read comic books? He's like, oh, you know, I'd like to walk down here and see a Picasso or something an adult would have hanging on their wall. I was like, you don't have any Picassos on your wall. You know what I'm saying. You're a man child. Like, do you get that from (laughs) your family? Uh, I did until I started making money off the comic books and the action figures. And actually, my dad now says he wishes I bought more toys. been able to make some money off toys on eBay. And my father is kind of like now, like I wish you bought more toys because then we could add some more money. Wow, <laughs> so I yeah, stopped buying toys when I was like twelve. Yeah, yeah, same here. Yeah. So once you ask... start making money off something, you're not a man child. Then you're like an investor or something. Yeah, then you're an entrepreneur. Yep. You go from man child yeah. to entrepreneur. Unless you're Trump. Trump's still a man child. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so. I stopped collecting Marvel comics, and I'm not going to just do a big comic book jerk-off session, so I'll hit this last Mm -hmm. point on this. I stopped collecting Marvel because I feel like when Disney took over Marvel, it lost a lot of its grittiness. And another thing that I really hated about Marvel is, in the old days, people didn't even believe Spider-Man was real. They thought like the Mm -hmm. Bugle was just like some tabloid rag, and people didn't know there was really vampires and sorcerers and aliens and now yeah. everybody is privy to everything in the Marvel universe, and it just—it's a big turnoff to me knowing that the average like Joe the plumber on the street knows there's a mm-hmm. Spider-Man in a negative zone and a Sorcerer yeah. Supreme. I th- really think that killed that franchise. Yeah, people thought Doctor Strange was a fake, and they also—the thing about Spider-Man—they thought Spider-Man was basically Donald Trump. They thought he was some creep who was manipulating the public. He was working with Doctor Octopus because of the newspaper. So that's why nobody, when Spider-Man would come and save somebody, they would be like, hey, fuck you, Spider-Man. You know, can I curse on this, by the way? I don't know. Yeah, I think that ship sailed, right? Yeah, feel free, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> I heard you use an F-bomb earlier, so that's why. Yeah, yeah. yeah feel free. And now oh, yeah. it's kind of lost because people now cheer for Spider-Man. They should be, they, people think Spider-Man's like a, a con artist, a crook, you know? And I miss that. And I mean, the reason I never gravitated towards DC, I would say like out of 8,000 comics, 6,000 are Marvel, 1,000 are DC, and now more and more are becoming independent titles, is because DC didn't take place in real cities. It was just too fantastical for me. And now I think since Disney bought out Marvel, they've kind of become more fantasy-oriented. I mean, there was an issue, and here's another thing. There was an issue where Spider-Man met God, and God was like, you're doing a great job, Spidey. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're killing these characters. What else can you do with Spider-Man? I feel like they're killing these characters. Why are there no controls on these characters where they go, look, you can't turn Spider-Man into this or this, or you can't have everybody know he's Spider-Man. Why mm-hmm. are there no, like, there's no continuity in the Marvel Universe anymore? Well, think about, the reason why Sp- I think Spider-Man from the 60s to, like, the 90s was the best, great, greatest comic ever written was because he went through changes. He went to college. He graduated college. He got married. 
He got better jobs. He went through girlfriends. And then they kind of regressed once the – do you remember the clone saga? Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, once that didn't work, they kind of regressed, and they never really got back on track. And it's been 20 years now. And the character kind of stopped growing. I think the big turning point was at the end of the clone saga – they not only did they get rid of the clone, but they also uh, said, oh, Mary Jane had a miscarriage, and then they never brought it up again. And I'm like, no, I kind of wanted to see Peter Parker have a child. I kind of wanted to see him get older. I kind of want, like, I, I wouldn't have minded if you told me, like, listen, in issue 500, we're going to have him retire, and his daughter's going to take over, and she's going to be like 12 or 13. I would have been like, that's fine. I want to see this guy go through life. I don't want him constantly being stuck at, like, 30 for the next 70 years. I think that's just boring. And I feel like they were evolving every. Yeah. I feel like they were evolving all the characters, including the X-Men, like the X-Men in the eighties are much older than they were in the sixties. And then they just kind of stopped. They were like, yeah, these guys are permanently 30. And it's like, that's kind of boring. This is going to turn into a comic book jerk off. session. (laughs) Another thing that pisses me off is like, you mentioned the miscarriage. There was also like this little hint that maybe Norman Osborn had stolen the baby. And yes, and they never brought it up again. They never brought it up never again, and that just infuriates me. Is Nightcrawler and Mystique related? Who the fuck knows? They hinted at it for 20 years and then just dropped it. They yeah, no, but they, 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 they actually are. They confirmed it like like five years ago or something. Oh, did they end up confirming that finally after like yeah. 30 years? So what's, yeah. what's the verdict? Are they related, I guess? That's his mom, yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, and then, of course, the whole nobody stays dead. Aunt May's died like five times. Nobody ever stays dead in that universe yeah. either. And, and I don't know if DC like, does that as much. I don't think they do. They, they do it as much. But the thing with you, you can't have Aunt May come back to life. First of all, everyone in her church group is not going to just accept the fact that she came back to life. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, she's a regular old lady. Like, if your mom, is your mom still alive? Yeah. God forbid. Okay. If your mom, like, died tomorrow and then came back to life six months later, I'm back. Some guy can't. Everybody, <laughs> first of all, they don't think you guys were con artists. And everybody would just look at your mom weird the rest for the rest of her life. You're like, wait, what? Yeah, and you do came it three or four dead? times. And then what? Yeah. It no, just takes it died again. Yeah, it just takes that. But, like, once you kill Aunt May, you can't bring her back. You can bring back Captain America. But Aunt May is a regular old lady. And once they brought her back, I was like, this is stupid. Like, come on. Like, it, it, all the all the supporting characters of Spider-Man should be grounded. They shouldn't be su- – like, when they made Flash Thompson Venom, I was like, that's awful. All the supporting characters should be regular people. They shouldn't, like – but now they're – you know, they put them all through – They uh, Flash Thompson became Venom. Uh, Mary Jane might get powers. I'm like, come on. It's just, it's just ridiculous. It's too much, man. All right, let's move on. I'm going to bring everything down here for a moment. Um, I wanted to talk real quick about the passing of Kevin Meany. I know this had to be a big blow to the comedy community. <laughs> yeah, correct? yeah, it was. Uh, everybody loved him, and he was. Uh, he, when I started in comedy, he was kind of like a mentor to me. He took me on the road a few times, and uh, he actually, he one road trip I took was with him and Mike Birbiglia before Mike Birbiglia was even uh, anything. He was still just starting out, and he gave him good advice in the car. I don't think Mike Birbiglia remembers the advice he gave him, but he was giving him advice the whole time. He was just great. He was helpful to everyone. He was a real, he was a real legend, you know. And it's, you know, he was a comics comic, and I had to honestly Google him when I saw people posting about him. And I was like, oh, I know this guy. And I, yeah. and I it's always weird when there's somebody that you've seen a thousand times, but the name never sticks for some reason, or you don't yeah. make those connections. But he was the guy that was kind of in the background. And I guarantee you, nine out of ten people, if you pulled up a YouTube video of him, they'd be like, oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, so that, that's what everyone knew. People have said he was comedian, and they show pictures like, oh, yeah, I do know him. 
he was a workhorse. He was a road dog, a comics comic. I mean, he he was going, the day before he died, he was going to Rhode Island to do a restaurant. You know what I mean? And he's a legend. But he was a guy who just never stopped working. And that's kind of like, the beauty of stand-up comedy is you'd never retire. I mean, you know, you as long as you can speak, you can do it at 90 if you're in a wheelchair and you can't move. You could still just have someone wheel you on the stage, you know? Right, right. And I mean, I always wonder about people who keep working, and this goes for anybody in the entertainment industry, bands, actors. You know, mm-hmm. do you personally, Ray, do you think you'll be working at 90 even if you hit the jackpot and you don't have to work anymore? I mean, this is something that it's just a drive. You have to do it, right? As long yeah, as you can do it, you have to do it. You have to do it, and the great thing about stand-up is you really don't need to retire. I mean, there's really as long as you can speak and form coherent thoughts. Actually, you don't even need to form coherent thoughts. I think Don Rickles' brain went 15 years ago, and he's still going up there. As long as you can speak, you can you can do it. So uh, I'll be doing it probably till the day I die. And it's really, like you know, it's not work. It's not like oh, I can't wait to not do this. The great thing about stand-up is you can retire when you feel like it. Like I could just never do stand-up again today. You know, there's going to be nobody being like, you have to be here another five years under contract. So right. that's the beauty of stand-up is you could just take a couple of days off if you don't feel like it and then go back to it. So I, I could see myself doing it until I die, definitely. All righty, fair enough. Um, about your comedy, let me ask you this, because a lot of it revolves around comic books and wrestling and video games. Do you get tagged a nerd comedian? And I know a lot of people do. And what do you think about the nerd culture? Is it good it's been thrusted into the mainstream by mm-hmm. the Chris Hardwicks of the world? Or was it better when it was kind of like its own little subculture and something special? I mean, it's mainstream now, definitely. But I mean, like the things that are mainstream are like Walking Dead. That's a great example. To me, Walking Dead is 90210, but a zombie walks by every three seconds. You know what I mean? It's the same Probably type of the, show. the best metaphor I've ever heard for that show, by the way. Yeah, like a, like a, a zombie who will eat Donna in season three. And that's about it. That's the only difference. Because, you know, it's about relationships. And like the girls will have a crush on Daryl's basically Luke uh, Perry's character. What was it, Dylan? Dylan, so yep. Daryl's basically Dylan, except he fights zombies. So, and the same with Game of Thrones, people have crushes on Jon Snow, or you know they look, or young girls look up to uh, what's her name? Not Sansa, the other Stark, Anya Stark, or something. I don't watch Game uh, of Thrones. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah so Arya Stark. Yep, that's her. Yeah, they're basically like Dallas and Nine Hundred Two One Zero and Melrose Place, except now there's zombies and and dragons and stuff. But otherwise, it's the same type of like soap opera elements. So I don't really uh, nerd culture is in the forefront, but it, they're basically doing stuff because there's no soap operas on anymore. There's no 90210. There's no One Tree Hill. So your new soap opera is The Flash, or your new and and it's more exciting now because rather than just like will these two characters hook up, will these characters hook up and and dragon, you know, like not only do they have to hook up, but they have to destroy a dragon, which makes right. it more exciting for everybody. So or the like nerds and the, and the hot or Vampire Diaries or Z Nation. Yeah. Or, yeah. It's very mm-hmm. fantasy driven now. Like it's. Yeah. Yeah. And you love your fantasy novels, D. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm telling winter you. Winter is every... coming and your head is stuck in books this time of year. Yes. Every winter. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Every winter I start reading more. So I actually just picked up a couple of Christine Feehan for, to start with. And I was like, yeah. Get your motor running. All right. Let's get the ladies in here. I want to talk about this last topic. Um, Actually, we need to talk about Nintendo, too. Let's talk about Nintendo real quick. Nintendo Switch, because I've always kind Mm -hmm. of been more of an Xbox guy. But I watched a trailer for it. And, you know, ever since, I would say like 15 years ago, to me, graphics aren't getting that much more stellar. You're just getting a lot more options. 
And with this yeah. Nintendo, you could pick it up and do portable, and life's a party when you're walking around with your Nintendo Switch. What do you think about the um, trailer? And once again, like I, I saw the graphics, I didn't feel like the graphics were light years beyond the last Nintendo system. Is this going to work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. I think it's, it's going to work. They weren't very clear, and they should have made it very. Apparently, the system is just as powerful as Xbox One, but you can take it with you. And I think people didn't re, don't realize that it's as powerful as Xbox One. I think they think it's just going to be kind of powerful. But I think it's going to work because you know a lot of these newer games uh, on the Xbox, whatever, like Skyrim or even the new Grand Theft Auto, they take like 50 to 60 hours to complete. I just don't have that time to sit in my house and do that. Now, if I could play those games on the subway, or if I could play them while waiting to go up on stage, I would do that, and that's what the Switch is going to offer. And also, I think people, the Xbox One, the PlayStation 4, they're moving more towards um, online uh, playing with your friends, and I hate playing online. I just feel disconnected. I feel like I'm, I'm a loser alone in my room. I'd much rather have people around me, and the Switch encourages that. Like, hey, go meet your friends. You can, Like, nine of you can sit in a room and like play Pokemon with Like Pokemon Go is finally yeah. getting people active. With the threat of diabetes and childhood obesity couldn't do for <laughs> 20 years, fucking Pokemon Go is done with so, one app. Yeah. And I loved, well, I grew up in the 80s, and in the arcades, you met people. Like, that's how you connected. Even as a little kid, my dad would take me to Penn Station or Times Square, and I'm playing with, like, dr- drug addicts and crackheads, but we're all connected because we're all trying to beat Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You know what I mean? And I feel like that connection's gone with online and stuff. And I feel like Nintendo is making the right decision. Like, you can take these great games with you, you know, on the road if you want. And you can, it's way easier to play with your friends on this than anything else. And I think those are two key, those two key um, elements that I think are going to put it over the top. I just don't think people really realize that how powerful this thing's going to be. And I think they need to really stress that because people are like, it looks like a, a PlayStation Vita or something. And I'm like, no, it's way more powerful than that. Like, you don't it understand. Sounds like Nintendo needs to send you some endorsements. Yeah, I know they do because uh, they, they did a good job explaining what it can do, but they didn't explain like, just how powerful this thing is. And uh, that's what they should have. They should have emphasized that. Like, hey, do you like PlayStation 4? 4, what if you could, you know, have your PlayStation 4 in the subway with you, you know? Well, you know, um, our daughter's boyfriend brought over his PlayStation 4 with the virtual reality hookup. Oh, and he yeah. was like, do you want to check this out? I said no, because I've been burned by virtual reality before. It's been around since I was a kid, since the 80s. There's been some mm-hmm. fucking fucked up looking lawnmower man virtual reality <laughs> thing you strap to your head. And it's never delivered. So I'm jaded towards it. So I wouldn't even look at the virtual reality technology. I'm just totally jaded from the false promises like with hoverboards for 30 years the real thing's coming and it's never happened yeah yeah i i, I heard it from some people that tried it it's, it's good but not great and it's very limited um i'll put it to you this way nintendo always they always introduced technology first like they did the first analog stick on the n64 they were the first ones really have a touchscreen on the nintendo ds that was way before the iphone they had a touch screen. They're always the first ones to like kind of do a technology first. And if they're not messing with virtual reality, that means they don't think they can get enough out of it. When you see a Mario VR, that's when you know that some, they, they've mastered it and we're ready for virtual reality. I just Dude, don't think we're there Zelda yet. I think it's VR. still novelty. I think that's solid advice. That's that would be amazing. True. Like um, Ocarina of Time in VR, I would live there forever yeah, yeah. i'd never see me. you again d <laughs> yeah i'm sure they're, they're in a hole somewhere working on zelda and mario vr but until they can get it to where like it is like you're living there i don't think you'll see it but when you do see it i think then we're, the world's going to change so 
We are Agreed. rapid firing these um, topics. I don't think we've ever talked so many topics in 20 minutes before. Okay, wrestling. <laughs> Wrestling, let me tell you when I split with WWE, because I used to go to the events when I lived in Norfolk. Me and all my friends would go. We got at least 10 out of the 12 pay-per-views a year, and we would, a year would have the big parties. When <laughs> Triple H climbed into Kane's sister's casting and, and, oh, yeah. and started, like, fucking Kane's dead sister or simulated <laughs> fuck, I, that's when I parted. I mean, it was going downhill since then. Mm-hmm. And then every once in a while, you know, I have a morbid curiosity. I'll tune in. And I used to like it when there was the pageantry and it was like, it's the ultimate warrior or, you know, Jake the Snake. And the guys had gimmicks, even Stone Cold, The Rock. And now it's like, all right, tonight, Bob, the wrestler is fighting Fred, the wrestler. I don't feel like there's any flash. There's any pageantry. It's just very blah. I don't know if it's because um, McMahon had absorbed all the other wrestling companies. So he doesn't have any real competition. I don't understand the draw anymore to watching WWE. I just don't see any value in it. Um, well, SmackDown got a lot better. It, you know, the thing about it is that it, sometimes it can be good, but they're not really good at making stars anymore. They're not really good at letting people do things to stand out. You know, I think if Ultimate Warrior showed up today and, he, and they said, okay, cut a, cut a promo, and he started screaming like that, they would say to him, no, 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 and they would give him a script written by, like, some ex-writer of Vampire Diaries or something. To be like, oh, my name is Jim the Warrior, and and I'm gonna beat you, Triple H. Like they would just give him that. I was saying with Dusty Rhodes, that like, these guys walked in and started like talking like lunatics. They right away would shut them down, and everybody kind of sounds the same now. You know, like they got this guy Roman Reigns, who should basically be Ultimate Warrior, and they have him in the ring giving 20 minute like soliloquies, like he's in a Shakespeare play. And it's like, what are you doing? Just have the guy walk up, like, I'm gonna kill you. Have him kill the guy, and they'd be like, yes, oh, and then please. when he's done, say go to hell, and then leave. That's all you need to do. And, and they want to have this guy. They, they want to make everybody into an actor, and a lot, a lot of these guys can be actors, you know. Yeah, I could not agree more. And I know there was some weird thing. Is it Billy Corbin? Is that the guy from Smashing Pumpkins? He took over. Yeah, like he's TNA trying to buy this wrestling something? company. Yeah, he's trying to buy TNA, and the owner lied to him, and now he's suing them. He's trying. To, I don't know why he's so intent on buying this company. He, he's. I guess he really just wants to throw all that all that uh, 1979 money down the toilet. I guess I don't know. Yeah, it's bizarre, and like I said, I just don't see any value in it. The, the um, mm-hmm. I used to like listening to the commentators, like Jr. Even when they got Taz on there, Michael Cole, the King, and they yeah. were engaging. And it's just so flat now. I don't see the appeal in it. I mean, is this something you've been just watching for so many years? You're just stuck well, I, there. Well, I barely even I barely even watch Raw at this point. I, I, like I put it on last week because Goldberg came out, and I enjoyed that because Goldberg was real. And you know, Goldberg uh, people say stunk, but let me tell you something, like. He's real. He's like a real guy. He comes out and he goes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick your ass, Brock Lesnar. And it's like, oh, this guy's a real guy. He's actually talking from the heart. I find this refreshing. Whereas everybody else just sounds like a scripted corporate robot. And it's yeah. like, you know. And then the other thing, too, is they have Triple H and Stephanie on the air. And they have Stephanie. They, they'll have Stephanie go in the ring and berate these giant wrestlers and tell them, like, if you don't do what I say, you're fired. And the wrestler, like, mopes out of the ring. And it's like, you know, like, like I get women's lib or whatever. But. Uh, if I'm going to be afraid of a pro wrestler, like because people used to be afraid of these guys, if a if a twenty, thirty, forty, whatever year old woman, size of size of like a thimble, walked in and started yelling at it like a monster wrestler, I'm sorry, he should just clothesline her, whether she's a boss or not, and put her in the hospital because you're supposed to be afraid of these guys. That's Still where you spend money. Jericho would have definitely. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying like you should beat up women. I'm just saying if there's a woman walking around yelling, telling these guys off, there should be some monster who's like. 
dude's like puts her in a hospital because you want to be afraid of them because then you want to pay money to see the good guy beat up that monster, you know? Yeah, it sounds like you need to be working for him. Like I said, I had to walk away in the maybe 10 years ago with that whole Triple H fiasco, and now mm-hmm. he's in charge, and it's just a horrible product. All right, we got to move on. We only got a couple minutes left. I want to talk about the Salon article you wrote. I realize it's been a couple years. At that yeah. time, you were a 33-year-old virgin, and I thought it was a great article, especially the comment threads, and I don't know if you pay attention to such things. But, I tried um, to read them, but a lot of them kind of missed the point. I was like, yeah, whatever. I found I find that these kind, you know, some people, internet harassment. A lot of people came down on me about the article. A lot of people praised me, but I noticed the people that came down on me, it wasn't anything to do with me. It was more their own insecurity, so I just kind of ignored it. You know, when people go after you on Twitter or something, it's. I feel like these people that take it, like when Leslie Jones took it seriously and stuff, it's like, you know, that's their own insecurities. Like, what do you carry? You know, you're doing, whether you're me sitting in my room playing Nintendo or you're on as, as Night Live, you're doing fine on your own. You, who cares what people say on Twitter, you know? Well, I always read the comment threads, and Dee and yeah. Fern, you guys can feel free to chime in because I sent you both the article. And I, I'm assuming that you still have not had a girlfriend yet and you haven't lost your virginity. You're still in the same place, correct? Um, yes and no. I mean, I have more confidence, and, I, and I've definitely dated some more women since then, and I'm more willing to ask a woman out. But, yeah, I'm still – I don't have an official girlfriend yet. So, Gotcha, gotcha. And mm-hmm. I always dig into the comment threads of any article, and they're usually about 50-50. And there's people on there chanting Bible verses and people on there saying, like, oh, you need to stop whining. But there was also a lot of people who are like, hey, I'm a 27-year-old virgin, or I'm married now, but I didn't lose my virginity until I was 26 did you set out to do what you do on the sheer fact that you had people saying, I relate to this article, I'm in the same boat or was in the same boat as you, and this article really, like, I connected to this article? Is it mission well, when accomplished? I wrote, well, yeah, when I wrote, well, this is what happened. When I wrote the article, remember that guy, that virgin guy shot a bunch of women? No, yeah, I don't remember, I remember. that. I okay, so around that time, there was a guy in California. What was his name? Does anybody know? I forget. Uh, virgin guy who no threw a pissy fit. Okay. I mean. <laughs> He was some guy who was really angry that he was a virgin at like 18 or 19, and he went around his neighborhood and shot. Oh, I do remember that, because I was thinking 19 and you're complaining? Come back in 10 years, asshole. Yeah. Well, that's – so he came – and then the media started portraying everybody as a virgin as like a loser and a psycho, and there's something wrong with you if you don't have sex by the time you're 18. And then I said that, I thought to myself, you know, what if there's some 20-year-old kid out there that already thinks he's a weirdo because he hasn't had sex, and he sees these articles, and then he decides to kill people too. He's like – Oh, so the media tell me I'm a loser, and maybe this guy was right to start shooting people. So I wrote the article basically to be like, if you're 18 or you're 19 or you're 20, whatever, uh, you shouldn't feel like a loser because you're a virgin. There was something wrong with this guy beyond the fact that he didn't get laid. Because they were trying to make it sound like this guy didn't get laid. That's why he killed people. No, he had a mental – there was something wrong with him mentally, you know? And um, and I, the article, a lot of people said it really helped them because they that's and that's what I want to do. I want to if you like some kid who's depressed and you think you're a loser because you're 18 year virgin. That, I mean, they probably already lost it before I did anyway in the past two years. But I wanted them at that point. I wanted whoever like had some weird thoughts in their head because of what happened and the way the media was coming down on virgins. I wanted them to know like it's not that big of a deal. Just calm down. Don't 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 think that that you're there's something wrong with you because you haven't had sex yet. You know. Well, luckily, people are afraid of clowns now. So let me ask the ladies this question. I'm going to ask the most obvious question. Fern D, you start dating a guy, he's 33, 35, whatever, anything over 25 would say are in your age range. 
and they tell you that they're a virgin. Does this does this amp things up? Does this is this like I don't want the responsibility at thirty five years old to be the one who takes this guy's virginity, or is it totally meaningless? Is the relationship what it is, and that doesn't matter? Let's get a woman perspective. Fern, you can take this one first because I probably got a lot more to um, say. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, I have to wonder. Like after I read this article, like is it is it the same on the other side of the fence? You know, like if I were to date somebody at thirty three, thirty five years old, tells me they're a virgin, I I mean, I'd be totally fine with that. I wouldn't think there's something wrong with them. I would think that well, they just haven't found the right person yet because I connect sexually with people on a different level than. Some people do. Some people, it's just a fucking activity, and you go out, and it's fun, and whatever. For me, it's i got to connect with somebody to be able to do that. So I wouldn't look at it that way. But I do I do seem to think that on the woman's side, if a woman's a virgin, like men would look at it as a challenge. And I'm wondering if you get that. Like, do you get people thinking that it's a challenge and not respecting that you just want to find the right person and have an intimate connection with them? Like, no, I, I, I wondered that right after I read right? that article. In the dating world, does being a virgin at your age make you radioactive? In the what world? In the dating world, does being a virgin oh, at your age um, make you radioactive? Well, I mean, I think being being calm, it kind of overrides it. And, uh, you know, I don't, think it, I don't think it has the effect it did. So I kind of own it more. I'm kind of more confident about myself. So um, I don't think it, it affects me as much. I just, um, the couple of girls that I have dated since the article came out, just wound, wound up being weirdos. I mean, even before I wrote the article, I found a girl who was a 27-year-old virgin. I was 26. And I really tried to connect with her, and I even just tried to be a friend. And I have to admit, and I hate this sounds so hypocritical, but I have to admit, she was the craziest girl I ever tried to date. I mean, she just had to, <laughs> everything was a problem. Every, I mean, I, every single thing I did, I didn't do anything. I was just like, hey, you want to go to the movies? You're freaking me out. And if you run away, I'd be like, oh, okay. Oh you know, like, I'm trying to connect you because we're both in the same boat. I'm 26, you're 27, you know? And uh, it did it. So uh, as far as it being a challenge, I don't think a lot of girls feel like that. I just don't think. I think my personality kind of supersedes it at this point. You know. Wow, that's good. See, what do you think? I, I on the one hand, I, it's a to me, it's a great responsibility. You know, because mm-hmm. in my world, you know, being intimate with somebody is like that's that's kind of old hat. So it's like, oh yeah, we. I could or I couldn't or, you know, whatever. But it's it's a really big responsibility when you know you're the first because you want to make sure it's really good. You want to make sure it's mm-hmm. right. You want to make sure it's nice. So would you, you know? be romancing him, lighting candles and putting out the fluffy <laughs> I'm, pillows? I'm not, and... Yeah, you know me. I'm not the, you know, candles everywhere. I think I'm going to knock one over. Big fluffy pillows. Well, I need a firmer pillow because I want to sleep later. You know, I'm very, I'm weird anyway, I think. I think everybody's a little bit weird, but no, on the one hand, you want to make sure that, you know, you're really respectful and nice and good about things because it's, it should be special. On the other hand, uh, I don't know. It's, it's almost, it's not really off putting. It's just like, dude, if I screw this up, I'm going to screw this guy up forever. Right. It amps it up. It amps up the pressure, right? I mean, well, a little bit, I, but... I, at this point, I kind of know the first time's going to be not that great. So I yeah, don't really care see, about the, you but, know, I don't yeah. care about the first time being not that great. So, but then yeah. you're like, well, shit, it's, it's sex. So sex is sex. You kind of, you know what it is? You kind of be more realistic about it as you get older. And I think like after I wrote that article, a little bit more realistic. It doesn't have to be that great the first time. You have to get it over with, like almost getting a band-aid yeah. taken off. And then you're going to so, kick your own uh, ass for not having been doing this for like the last 10 years. 
Like, cause that's what, what I did. Like, cause I, for me, I was, I was like 19. So in where mm-hmm. I grew up, that was like rare. Like I was one of yeah. two virgins in my whole high school. Like that was yeah. it at least, you know, that claimed their virginity. So it was like, everybody looked at me where, and they're like, well, why not? And I'm like, dude, I'm terrified. Like seriously. <laughs> so when I finally did, I was like, Oh my God, what have I been missing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I've, I've been, I wasn't like I've been more... I lost my virginity at 16 and it probably took me three or four different dating three or four different women before I was even into it. I was just kind of like, eh, this is whatever the big fuss was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think it's good. I think it's going to be, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, the other thing too is like, I wasn't really doing what I wanted to do in life when I, you know, before I wrote that article. And then I feel like the last year and a half I've been doing stand up full time and I'm more confident. And I think like, the reason why I didn't really lose it all those years because I wasn't really happy with what I was doing. I didn't have any time to like really connect with anybody. Now I have more time to connect with a girl and, and it, it just feels more, it feels like this is what I should have been doing in my twenties, but I'm doing it at 35, you know? So Nothing I feel like, that, man. yeah, I feel like I'm going to lose it sooner than later. And when I do, it's not gonna be a big deal. I'll probably write another article though, so I get another 150 bucks from Salon. So, but don't, don't tell him. <laughs> yeah, you beat me to the punch. I was gonna ask you. I gotta write a big yeah. declaration. Yeah, I'm gonna write an it. article as soon as I lose it, just so I can get 150 bucks to pay some bills. But hey, here, here. you need to live you feed it. Make yourself a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. Oh just like yeah. So I'll probably write another article right away. Like, hey, by the way, I did this. Can I get some radio appearances and stuff? This is the best place to end the show. We've ran way over. Ray, tell cool. everybody where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter out. at Ray Goots and Facebook, Ray Goots. And I'm, every Monday, I'm at Caroline's Monday Night Goots. It's only a $5 cover. Come check it out. It's Mondays at 7. Right on. Thank you so much for calling in today, sir. We had an amazing time. Thank you so much. All righty, guys. We'll be back. Uh, we're not going to be here next Sunday because of Halloween. So just keep checking the Tin Can Media page, and we'll have the archive up soon. D, any last words? Yeah, everybody uh, check us out Wednesday night at 8 o'clock, right? 7. Starting seven at o'clock. 7. And then That's right, because we're going to be – Yeah, because we're going to be a little long. So Wednesday night at 7, and it's going to be a horribly good time. Horrific? <laughs> Horrific. Bye, guys. We talk a lot.